This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Gentlemen, boys, and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I am your host today, Jared Timms, and we got a little bit of a different podcast here for you today, but guys. Didn't really want to get anybody on between myself, Nate, and Brock for this because there's not a whole lot of Angels news, and the news that we can talk about will break down on Friday for you guys. And because everybody is putting out their prospect lists, I figured I'd get on the utmost authority in Angels prospects, Angels minor leagues, Taylor Blake Ward will be joining us here in, in a little while. And not, not a whole lot of Angels news, Shohei Otani still absolutely crushing the ball. And we'll talk about everything else on Friday. Hopefully we'll have both Brock and Nate on with me here. But guys, as always, thank you so much for the support. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We would be nothing without out you guys and if you don't already go ahead and follow us on all our social media accounts on twitter instagram and facebook as well instagram especially i know brock has been crushing the instagram scene and we've been getting so many followers on there we've been doing polls news has been popping up on there it's been it's been fantastic and you guys if you had any questions comments topic ideas for this podcast or you know just want to shout us out shoot us a message at any of those social medias. We'd be happy to say hello, talk any type of Angels baseball with you guys as well. And if you wanted to follow myself on Twitter, you can follow me at Jared underscore Tims. And once we get back from this ad break, we'll be joined by Taylor Blake Ward. So give us one minute to pay the bills. Hey everyone, before we start, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here, Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive cover art, personalized, Q&As of Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and you name all the other ones. You got them. Okay? The best part is you can get all this for only 15 bucks a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, guys. I am here with Twitter famous 
the world famous, actually, because I introduced him as world famous last time. I got to introduce him as world famous again. The world famous Taylor Blake Ward. Everybody, a round of applause for Taylor Blake Ward. How you doing tonight? All I hear is crickets. All, <laughs> worldwide crickets. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, you are. You are world famous. You are. You are the utmost authority in Angels prospect news. I'll tell you that much. Like you are. You are the go-to source. I. If anybody listened to the podcast, I think uh, as me and Nate talked about prospects. I bowed down to Taylor. I said Taylor was almighty. I like I said I'm not even here just kissing butt or anything like that. You are you are the man in Angels prospects. I'll tell you that, Taylor. You're getting into some religious terms that I'm not so sure I can handle here. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> oh man. So first off, where can we find you, and where can we find your work? Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter at Taylor Blake Ward. Uh, and if you want to check out the website, it is homeplateview.com, and we're still growing. Uh, still a lot left in the tank to build the website, but really happy to have it uh, up uh, up and running. Yeah, go check out all of Taylor's stuff. He does a great job. He's done a great job for such a long time, even if it wasn't with the Angels. I know you've been around the Cal League almost, I mean, forever, not to even like date you that much. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm making you feel really old now, too. I'm sorry, wow, Taylor. Yeah, man. Between our conversation before coming on and now, you're making me feel. Gosh, I got to be at least 22 uh, at this point. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. We, you know what? Cut this. I'm sorry. Scrap it. I can't even do this anymore. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's all good, man. All <laughs> right. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> all right. So since you are the utmost authority in angels prospects, and I honestly, you you are the man. I not even to kiss ass or anything like that you are the man in in prospect news you do so much great work who's better joe adele or brandon marsh actually who has the better career i'll say that oh wow that's that's tough <laughs> um joe adele definitely is the uh the higher upside anytime you have that power speed combo and not that brandon doesn't have that brandon obviously a great runner has the power potential but I think Joe, just with that power-speed potential, really is an electrifying player of the future. You know, we, we look at comparisons uh, and whether they're fair or not. You know, whether you like Justin Upton or you don't, he's had an outstanding career. And when that's the guy that's coming up in, in the conversation, that's a pretty special player. Uh, and not to knock Brandon Marsh, who is a very good player, but we see – we see players similar to Brandon Marsh at times, and it's a fairly common thing. So I, I would go Joe Adele, but I'll tell, I, I think Brandon Marsh is going to have a better start to his career than Joe Adele does. Yeah, and I mean, you bring up an interesting point. Should Angel fans be worried about Joe Adele? Uh, no. I mean, I, there's obvious room for concern. You know, last season, you, you can't take last season for much of anything. It is, he came up too soon. Uh, it was kind of out of necessity, which... It just didn't play. He was not ready for the major leagues. Uh, and another thing is you have to see a guy struggle. Um, a very important part of development is finding struggles and getting through that uh, those struggling times. And for Joe, this was kind of the first time that he had struggled. Also, you know, we see where the health was. And he, he was healthy. But when you come back from your first career injury of a sense, it does take some time to adjust. I, I, I'm not concerned in the least when it comes to Joe, but it is going to be a slow start. You know, there's not a lot of guys that can come up at 20, 21 years old and light the world on fire, a la Fernando Tatis and, and Ronald Acuna and Juan Soto. And Joe Adele, I, I, you know, you can't place him into that category. Those are three of the best players in baseball 
not that Joe can't become that kind of player, but this is a guy that I still feel has some all-star seasons in him, and it's just going to take some time. Yeah, and do we think it's more of like a mentality type of thing with Joe Adele, or do you think it's just he's not quite ready yet? You know, I, I think more than anything, it's reps. We, we talk about the veteran baseball player, and I, I feel like we kind of ignore the veteran baseball player a little bit now. There's a lot of reasons why guys like that get, uh, you know, non-roster invites every year and have a chance to break camp, whether they are in AAA or in the majors. And they end up playing for 15, 20 years, you know, maybe not 20 years, but 10, 15 years as a professional. That's a long career. I think people neglect how long of a career 10, 15 years in the majors is. <clears throat> Sorry. And, and when Joe is, you know, what, three years into his professional career, he's facing guys that just they know how to play baseball at a higher level than he does. So, I, no, I, I mean, when we look at Joe, the mental aspect, the guy knows baseball, but it's learning how to play against guys that know how to put him away for the first time and aren't on the same development uh, pattern that he is, that's where I think Joe really found struggles. And just an inexperienced kid. Uh, and it's funny saying he's a kid because Joe Adele does not look like a kid by any means. But at the same time, I think just finding experience and, and finding those reps to be successful is what's going to really make Joe turn the corner in time. Yeah, well, I mean, compared to you and I, both Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh are still kids. They, they really are, and they haven't had a lot of time down the minors either. So the reps are definitely going to play a huge factor, and I kind of hope we don't see them up this year. I think it's I – mean, I do hope we see them up, but at the same time, I hope we go – I hope we see them absolutely rake down in – let's see, Salt Lake City, I think, is probably where they'll be. So let's, let's stick with the – who has the better career, and we'll go to pitchers now. Chris Rodriguez or Reed Detmers? Oof, that's tough. Chris Rodriguez's upside is astonishing. I mean, you look at his stuff, and if he can find the the way to uh, stay a starter and locate with that stuff, I mean, you're talking about uh, a frontline starter. This guy has some of the best pure stuff in the minors, and I think just acknowledging that he is not a quote-unquote top 100 prospect for some outlets that only has to do with health and time on the field. I mean, you talk to anyone and everyone's going to say, yeah, this guy could crack my top 100 next year, or he could have enough major league uh, you know, experience to not even be near there. That's tough, man, because Reed Detmers, I think we know what he is. He is a you know middle rotation number four who is going to throw 150 to 200 innings for you every year, have an ERA simmering around you know league average or better have a few years that are better, have a few years that are worse. He's the kind of guy that ends up, you know, pitching for 15 years in the majors and just finds a way to be successful. You look at Barry Zito, you look at Scott Cashmere, guys that are very similar to Reed Detmers when they were, you know, amateurs and early professionals. I'm going to lean Reed Detmers here, but, you know, if Chris Rodriguez comes out and becomes Jacob DeGrom, shoots, who can argue it? I mean, we've seen what he can do. He is special, so... I'll say Detmers for now, but Chris Rodriguez, special arm, man. I, I really like what Chris has. Um, I'd like to see the delivery kind of be a little cleaner. I think that's kind of going to be something that may lead to a relief role for him in the future. But no denying the stuff. This stuff is so special. And, you know, great kid, too. I mean, not you know, Reed is a great kid, but Chris Rodriguez is just a fantastic kid. Uh, and that makeup, you know, makeup takes you places. So, I, I'm going to be curious to see what happens with Chris Rodriguez this year. 
uh, if he's actually going to maybe even be in the bullpen at some point during the season, despite the, the lack of reps. We talk about reps with Joe Adele. Chris Rodriguez is a guy that needs the reps, but shoots, that stuff plays right now. Yeah, no, definitely. And all I heard was Jake DeGrom is, or is Chris Rodriguez there? So, no, no, no I'm no, kidding. No. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's, that's not fair. I, I should have <laughs> used someone. Uh, I should have used someone else. But, you know, it, it, it's funny. When before the back injury, you know, there was a lot of side by I did a lot of side by sides. And Vince Velasquez was the guy that came up when it came to Chris Rodriguez. When I, I was talking to a scout, they said, This guy looks like Vince Velasquez. You look at Vince's career, and it's been the injuries have plagued him because the stuff is outstanding. It just hasn't been able to play, and now we're going to see, you know, is Vince Velasquez, now that he's healthy, what is he going to be now that he's reaching his peak years? So you want to do some comparisons, and whether they're fair or not, which I don't really say they're fair, even though I'm the guy that does the <coughs> side-by-side comparisons. You look at Zito's career, and you look at Vince Velasquez's career, and you kind of side-by-side them and, and see how it plays, you know? Yeah, no, I Vince Velasquez was a top 20 prospect, top 50 prospect, at some at, at one point in his career, so that's not a bad comp at all, to be honest. And you know, I was kidding with you with Jake Degrom. Jake Degrom's amazing, oh, yeah. unbelievable. So as we get moving forward here, it we start seeing top thirty prospect lists pop out, and I know that you and I are going to drop ours here fairly soon. But you see the big outlets with Pipeline and Baseball America and Fangraphs do theirs. What is the difference between those three and, I mean, we can throw, I guess, ours in the mix as well, but what's the difference between the big outlets? You know, we see different players in different spots. What do, what do you think the difference is? Um, you know, Baseball America and, and Pipeline I, I, and Fangraphs, all three of them, I, I can kind of speak to how they build their process because we've talked about it with these guys, is they'll talk to scouts and they'll talk to scouting directors and executives and they'll get a list of players and and kind of piece together their list based on the information they have. When it comes to fan graphs, Eric Longenhagen actually has seen the majority of people on his list. You know, comparable, Baseball America does a good job, especially Kyle Glazer uh, does get to see quite a few of the Angels prospects because he is West Coast-based. But a lot of those guys, you know, they're East Coast-based. Jonathan Mayo does get out a lot, and he uh, does the, the list for Pipeline. But a lot of their lists revolve around what the industry has to say about the prospect as opposed to what they have to say about the prospect, which is not a bad thing to have. It actually, I think it gives it a little bit more of a neutral understanding, and that's why their list, I kind of lean to their list because I think there's a lot of accuracy. Um, I've never you know, taken anything from their list, but at the same time, I go out and I read it because that is what the industry believes in, and those are guys that have been in the game for a long time you know baseball america has been putting these lists out for gosh i'm guessing 30 years now something like that and pipeline has been doing this for 15 years and and fan graphs i can't i don't know exactly how long but you know you you look at uh fan graphs eric longenhagen who does the list for fan graphs he's been a scout in time so he knows what to look for with these guys uh, and jonathan mayo and and uh kyle glazer and, and mike Giovanna who do the list for baseball america and pipeline they talk to the right people. So if you're looking for an industry perspective of, you know, who the top 30 prospects are in any given organization, that's kind of how it plays. Another thing with baseball, America, all these guys is they have to put together a list for all 30 teams. You and I, on a personal level, we only put together a list for one team or maybe two teams. You know, I do the draft. So I have 
uh, a different list every year, essentially. But And I do the same thing, is when I do my top 30 list, I'm sending it to a scouting director. I'm sending it to scouts saying, hey, you know, what's missing here? What Who's missing? Uh, should I move anybody? Things like this. And I do get feedback on that, and it helps a lot to kind of professionalize the list and make it a little bit more of what the organization and what the industry see in these top 30 lists. So everything is taken with a grain of salt. Um, and, you know, keep in mind for you and myself, Jared, we've been doing this, you know, I, I've been doing it a tick longer than you have, but you've been doing it for a while. We focus on one organization. And also we've been doing it for, I mean, I've been doing it for less than a decade or right around, I guess I close to a decade now. You've been doing it for less than a decade. These guys have been doing it for, like we said, some 30 years, some 15 years. So they do have a leg up. You know, you, you got to admit they've got a leg up on things. So I do trust what they put out, even if it's something that I don't necessarily agree with with my top 30 list per se. Yeah, no, and when you get the experience and when you get the name associated with you, you get the perks of being able to talk to certain people. <laughs> you you do, and that's that's what we see a big difference in in at least mine and yours and the upper level guys in a sense is you know they kind of have that that inside edge on things and the sleepers shall we say and that's kind of I guess where I can lean my next my next question into is you know we see guys jump into lists and we don't maybe know understand why in a sense like Davis Daniel has been jumping into list uh we've talked about Jose Bonilla and Levon Soto was pretty high on a list and I was you know questioning it but are there any other sleepers per se that you know you can think of or that you might be able to mention? Well, I think this is where you and I would separate from, say, these top outlets because these top outlets, and all respect to them, but they're focused on the top ten prospects in each organization and getting that right. You and I, you know, you and I may see someone that is, at, say, Illinois Empire or Arizona or Orem. I mean, no longer Orem, sadly, but. We see guys that a lot of people don't, and that's when you know I, I will reach out to people and scouts and say, "Hey, you know, what's your take on this kid? Because I like them. What's your take?" And sometimes you get something back that says, uh, "You know, this kid is his fastball is flat based on spin rates or whatever." And, and you say, "You know, I didn't see that, but thank you for that information, and I'm going to use that to kind of assess my list as opposed to your list." Um, you know, right before we came on, I was telling you, there is a kid that, that I feel like not a lot of people are focusing in on. And, and this is a guy that I don't even know if I'd use the term prospect or so, but it's a guy that I really like. His name is Anthony Mulrine, a uh, catcher who was selected, I want to say, in like the 30th round a few years back. And the thing about him, defense first catcher who has found a little bit of, little bit of intent in his swing, which I really like. And he's a guy that's not going to be on my top 30 list, not even making my notes, but it's like, these kind of guys are people that you really have to dig because even Baseball America and MLB Pipeline, if you ask them about this player, they'd say, I've never heard of them. Or, you know, let me call someone to find out what's going on. So when it comes to the sleeper prospects per se, I think that's where the edge can be given to these people that are a little more independent when it comes to covering the organization. There is a guy, and this is someone, it's funny, you know, we get a lot of these Latin kids that we don't see because they're in the Dominican. And then especially last year with no minor league baseball, we don't get to see them until 
instructional league and, and we don't get to see instructional league per se. Uh, I, I haven't been out there in three years. So, you know, it, it changes year to year kind of thing. But Alejandro Hidalgo was a name that was thrown at me. Uh, let's say, uh, what do you think? I, Cause I kind of called you. I said, Hey, you gotta, you gotta check this kid out. And that was what December, January, something like that. And out of nowhere, he's, uh, he's number 30 on pipelines list. And I'm like, ah, crap. You know, I thought I had a little bit of a secret hidden in there. Um, but it didn't work out. The Alejandro Hidalgo guy with a really nice feel for his changeup, very young, um, throws in the low nineties with a little bit of projection left. So these are the kind of guys, you know, you get Gabriel Tapia and this is, you know, there was a period of time where Jaime Berea was this kid, you know, and when I was doing a gosh, I mean, to talk about some old times back in 2014, 2015, something like this, I had to do a top 100 prospects list for the affiliate I was working for. And I'm just looking at Jaime Berea and I'm like, you know, like, let's talk about this as an organization. They're telling me that there's a kid of interest. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to throw him in at 50. You know, and suddenly Jaime Berea is a major leaguer that on a prospect list I put at 50. And it makes me feel silly, but that's what happens with some of these kids. Instructionally, you find someone that's really interesting. I think Alejandro Hidalgo could, you know, I'm not going to compare him to Jaime Berea, who is starting to find some success at the major league level, but someone along those lines, someone that you've never heard of that suddenly pops up and you get to see him. Uh, whether it be Inland Empire or Tri-City or, or wherever it is, and you say, you know what, this kid's kind of impressive. And I feel like that's kind of the sleeper right now that everyone's kind of going to be looking for. Yeah, I had that happen with Connor Higgins. I went out and, oh, saw, yeah. Yeah, went out and saw him in Inland Empire. He was 95 to 96, 97, probably touched 98. Had a long inning, and I, I kind of I tweeted it out there. I was like, you know, this guy's kind of interesting. Had some run, had a really good slider. Next thing I know, I, Fangraphs comes out with their top top 35 list, and he's 35. And I'm like, wow, all right, well, that was uh, interesting that, you know, I mentioned him, and then all of a sudden he pops up. So, I, I mean, not that I had anything to do with it, but, I mean, it's kind of cool to see that. Yeah, yeah I mean, and you texted me. It's funny because you texted me and said, what do you think of Connor Higgins? And I said, eh, <laughs> you know, that was kind of my response. And then I saw him, I don't know, two weeks later, and I'm like, crap, like this kid's got, this kid's got some stuff, you know? And, um, you know, it's funny, and we talk about this, um, you know, when it comes to Jonathan Mayo and guys like that, right? These guys have been in the business for a long time, and, and they see things, and they can kind of create an understanding of themselves. When you're first starting off as a prospect writer, you think you have a concept of things. And I'm not saying you and me, I'm talking about just in general, you know, the general audience. You think you have a general concept of things and every year something new comes along that you learn. And it's like with Connor Higgins with you, you know, you text me about this kid and I'm like, yeah, I'll take a look. You know, I got nothing there. And then suddenly it's like, you know what? This guy's got something. And it's, it's getting the, you have to go to the field to see it. You can't look at a, a box score. You can't just sit there and read things online. You have to go see it for yourself. And I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily go to ball games to go see things to create their own thing, whether they're a pros- you know, whether they're they have their own little blog and uh, are a prospect writer at their own blog, or even people that are hired by prospect affiliates, you know, and I've got to give credit when credit's due, you know, perfect game. They don't miss a single person. Even though I don't agree with their ranking system, they don't miss a single kid across the entire nation, right? And to see kids in person, whether it's a professional or an amateur player, 
you really get a dial in of what the player is like. And just to say, you know, Franklin Barreto, right? He was a top 100 prospect at a time. And when I saw him, I said, I don't get how this kid is a top 100 prospect. I feel like he has major league potential, but how in the world is this kid a top 100 prospect? This is a joke. And as time went on, we see, hey, this is a utility player, you know, and, and those are the kind of things that come with experience. I mean, shoot, I texted you, what, a week or two ago with something I had just learned that I had, it was something very simple, but I had just learned it. And gosh, what, 10 years of covering baseball and I had never known about this kind of item? Yeah, it happens all the time to me too. It's like, oh, well, that makes sense. Like, why didn't that, why, why have I never thought about that? It happens, it probably happens to me on like a daily basis when I'm at the field, when I'm at the field coaching, especially. Oh, yeah. And it's just, it's being at the ballpark, you learn something new. I feel like you can sit, you know, you, you can sit at home and watch baseball on a laptop or whatever or TV, and you can learn something that way. But when you're at the ballpark and you're seeing it face to face, you really get an understanding of how to assess a player. And like I said, you know, I'm not a scout. I've never been a scout. Uh, I respect what scouts do to the highest honor because they sacrifice a lot to, to be scouts and sacrifice a lot of time from their family and things. But to kind of just put your scouts hat on, you know, to, to sit there at a ball game and evaluate a player or players, it's interesting. And you learn something. I feel like every time you go to the ballpark, Oh, 100%. That's my, my favorite spot is to sit right behind the scouts and watch the radar guns and then kind of watch the expressions. I know that scouts have a really good poker face sometimes, but it, it's all you can always kind of see something. You, you always can kind of see something. Oh, yeah. Melvin Adon hitting 103 on opening night was uh, <laughs> there was some expletives thrown around when those <laughs> radar guns popped up. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, Taylor, I appreciate you coming on. I have to ask, like I did last time, are we ready to talk about the book yet, or we have to wait for uh, until we talk about the draft? We're getting close, man. Um, we're getting real close. For some of you that have been listening, whether it was used to be on Locked On Angels and heard me hint at it, or I've uh, heard me on this podcast or heard me on other podcasts, um, I am working on a book. It is uh, the manuscript's done. It's just we're going through some publishing right now, so we have some. Uh, legal things we have to do before we can really talk about the book but uh i'll just give you this june 1st june 1st we will have something uh i hope you guys are really going to enjoy this uh june 1st we're going to have a big old announcement that uh you guys will enjoy i am super excited to hear about that we're gonna have to get you on um talking halos to talk about that because you deserve it it's it's a lot of hard work i wouldn't even think about writing a book i'm gonna be honest here with you wouldn't even i wouldn't even think about it because i i first off i don't even like to read and second off, I don't even like the type, so that's me. It's tough, man. It's uh, <laughs> you know, it was um, it was a year long process actually. It, it's actually getting into about a year and a half now, but it was definitely worth it. It's it's gonna be fun to have this thing out, and um, like I said, I you know I have to kind of hold back a little bit due to some legal things. I can't give you know book title, can't give you book information, but I can give you that uh, June first. There will be something, uh, you know, hopefully hitting your mailbags. Awesome, awesome. T- Taylor, again, where can we find you on Twitter and where can we find your work? Yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Taylor Blake Ward. And uh, if you guys want to check out my work, it is homeplateview.com. Uh, like I said, we're getting the, the ground running and uh, having some fun with this website. So hopefully you guys can stop by and check it out. Awesome. Thanks, Taylor, for coming on. You got it, buddy. Thank you.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.